0: Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following programme may contain the names of people who have died. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available... On iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there. So, pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Testing, testing, one, two, three.
1: Yep, I did the thing. I don't. What do you want from me? Shut up. <laughs>
0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. It's film number four in our Fair Dinkum, uh, Southern Cross tattooed Australian film month.
1: Yeah. Yay!
0: <laughs> and uh, just as a special treat for you all joining us for the uh, for this fourth episode, we have Team Pilot. It's uh, Yay. Sarah. <laughs>
1: pilot, pilot. Hashtag Team Pilot. We yeah. have to get a photograph.
0: Yes, it's uh, Sarah Curtis and Ellen Sears. Welcome, uh, ladies. How are you? Hey. So that one is Ellen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that one's Sarah. Um, so uh, th- these two, I should point out, are uh, right at the end of their PhDs. Like, they are literally ready to be handed in. Am I right?
1: Uh, the way I've been explaining it to people is that I'm in the final death throes of writing it.
0: Mm.
1: I think that's a fairly apt description. Would you Would you agree, Sarah? Final death throes.
2: I don't think there are words. <laughs> I I have not words. That's... No wording to be worded.
1: Well, don't say that because I've literally just been writing a chapter about that. So, Because mm. it's like, how do you talk about dance using words? Because it's ephemeral and it's a physical kinesthetic form. Ah! Mm. Well, That's toni- more or less well,
0: tonight you get the night off because we are reviewing 2008's Australia. The film's so Australian they named it after The Country.
2: I wonder what it's about.
0: Uh, well originally like very very originally um it, it started out not as an Australian concept at all, as all um they weren't words it it didn't start out as an Australian film at all. Um, Baz Luhrmann, the director, really wanted to make an Alexander the Great movie. Yeah. But then <laughs> but then Alexander came out um, in the mid-2000s. And he
1: went, well, shit, I can't do that now.
0: Pretty much. And so he then decided to change it to uh, something that was closer to home and then it became uh, Australia, kind of like a I guess Alexander the Great meets Gone with the Wind, I guess, is is, is two main motives. So, yes, uh, it's Australia. It's Baz Luhrmann. So it's going to be weird. Uh, and it's got Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman and David Wenham and uh, the population of Australia. We all turned up. We all had a, a role in the We're film. We're all in there I'm about, somewhere. I'm about 37 minutes in. Uh, I'm actually um, the, the left leg of one of the uh, animatronic kangaroos.
1: Look, I'm one of the cows.
0: Hmm. And uh, And I haven't seen it, so... Well, you were David Wenham, so yeah.
1: (laughs) That makes sense. I Uh, love David Wenham, so I'm (laughs) very excited. He is the best.
0: We'll start with you, Ellen, because you haven't seen the film. Yeah. But you're a big fan of Baz Luhrmann.
1: Uh, Yeah, I like Baz Luhrmann's stuff. Mm. I like his stuff.
0: So what are you expecting from this film?
1: I'm expecting lots of garishness, lots of over-the-topness... And, hey, am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> You'll see. Um, and, yeah, probably lots of, like, I mean, I've, I've seen little bits and pieces here and there. I think I saw the first, like, two minutes recently because it was on the TV. Um, and I've definitely seen um, the bit where Nicole Kidman is, like, thirsting after Hugh Jackman who's all, like, Who isn't? who's all, like, shirtless and sweaty and, like, dripping water, like, that bit in that, what's that musical where she drops the bucket of water on herself? Yeah. Um,
0: was it Flashdance? Yeah, yeah. Flashdance.
1: Like they've been in Flashdance, like mm. that, but with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that's 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 about all I know about it. And that it's like massive epic love story, and there's war stuff, and let's let's put everything into this massive film because I'm Baz Luhrmann, and why not? That okay. tends to be his kind of MO.
0: Excellent, Sarah. How close is she uh, as the person who has seen the film?
1: <laughs> it's it's um, yeah, nah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit different to what you're expecting. Okay. It's a different Baz Luhrmann.
0: When did you last see this film? 2008. Okay. Did you see it in the cinema?
2: I did. In, I saw it just after I graduated high school.
0: Aw. Yeah. And um, what, what were your memories of it? I suppose in like a non-spoilery kind of way. Did you enjoy it or, or where does it sit for you?
2: Okay, it's not the best film, but it's not terrible. People either loved it or hated it. I was in the middle. I liked it. Mm. Um... You know, it didn't have a huge impact on me. Mm. I haven't really seen it since, so, you know. But, you know, I didn't go out going, "Oh, that was the worst thing ever.
1: I feel like you're going to be more critical of it now, 10 years down the line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this
2: is true. I mean, I was pretty critical back then, getting my angsty 16-year-old self, but, you know. Bless you. Yeah. Well,
0: but, all
2: right. Yeah, um, from, from memory, though, this I remember the biggest complaint was that it's actually two films. Mm. Like, there's a bit in the middle where you think it's going to end, and then it keeps going. Oh, so, it's got
1: Return of the King yeah. Syndrome. Except in the middle. So it could be two films, but it's not. And you're just like, well, what's going on? Oh, we're, oh, it's like The Winter's Tale.
2: Yeah, except like the first half is the romance half and the second <laughs> half is the dark stuff. So inverted Winter's yeah, Tale. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's great.
0: All right. So you guys ready to watch it?
2: Yeah. I'm super keen. Excellent. It's going to be great. It's going to be like a trip down memory lane.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, everybody... uh Grab your DVDs and your buckets of water to wash Hugh Jackman with as we prepare to watch Australia you.
1: I reckon we should all talk like this for the whole thing, mate. You you can, but I'll probably hit you yeah. with my bottle. I'll, I'll glass you, bitch.
0: As you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We have just finished watching um, Australia. Australia, and
1: mate. Australia.
0: Joining me once again, we have Sarah Curtis. Yeah, mate. And Ellen Sears. G'day. So, guys, uh, what did you think of Australia? We'll start with you, Ellen, as you have not seen the film before.
1: Oh, it was a nice old bundle of tropes all kind of thrown in and stuff. There was a few bits where I was like, oh, this is going to blow up. Oh, no, it didn't blow up and things like that. But generally speaking, most of the stuff that I thought was going to happen, happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was kind of like, it's one of those movies where you're kind of waiting for the tropes to happen. And then you're like, oh, there's that trope. Good old Baz giving us the goods. It was one of those kind of things. Not, oh, Jesus Christ, not this friggin' thing all over did
0: you enjoy it
1: yeah i enjoyed it, it was you re- all
0: right. re- oh so it's all right yeah it's all right yeah just sort of like not terrible but not some great.
1: of the some of the editing was kind of messing with me like sometimes mm. it was just like and she's over here and she's doing this now she's on a horse how did she get on the horse there was no time for her to get on the mm. horse what is going on with this editing mm. they're like ninjas what's happening
0: you may have uh, heard in the background there um <laughs> a little bit of uh gas escaping from our other guest, um, who has gone full uh, Aussie, um, as she sits there drinking, is it a cider? She, she's nodding because she was in the middle of drinking. I think when she I asked
1: inhaled that. a bit too fast. Mm. <laughs> it uh, went down the wrong way.
0: I think the drover has been a bad influence on you, Sarah.
1: <laughs> Not <laughs> oh, the drover, yeah. the drunk guy who got stampeded. Spoilers.
0: Oh yes, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, Jack Thompson's character, Sarah. Uh, if you're if you're done uh, expelling gas, um, <laughs> what? What it's really hummus. Yeah, so what did you, what did you think? Because obviously this is your first time watching it since it was in cinemas.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's my uh, David Wenham impression. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just like every time we see it. It's pretty good. Yeah.
0: He did do that a lot. He did he, that a lot. He'd say a line. It was like a And then he'd tick. go, yeah, and then repeat the line. Yeah. What was it, like, like pride over power, was it? Oh, oh
2: pride not power. Yeah. Pride's not power.
0: Yeah, he, he had a really weird tick like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was kind of annoying. But it's honest. very
2: Australian, to it's be fair. Very Australian. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. To like, be fair.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> like the amount of times we've said "yeah" already mm. on this podcast.
0: True, and belched. Um, <laughs> did you did you oh, enjoy yeah. it though?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I had forgotten certain things. Um, it was very interesting to see the way they juggled a lot of the racial relations and how yeah. they worked with all of the. You know, how intense, how horrible it was Mm. back then and still is these days, but, you know, even worse back then um, for, you know, the Aboriginal people um, and, you know, how racist Australia really is. I like
1: the fact that they chose like the least offensive slurs they possibly could and then just use those consistently. Mm. throughout the entire film yeah. rather than going, we're going to do like a whole bevy of these because there's a lot of really horrible racist slurs that people use against um, Indigenous Australians. Mm. And, yeah, I was like, oh, they found their one thing that's the least offensive thing that they can say and still kind of get away with and not have it be horribly offensive and they've just stuck to it all the way through. So I think it's nice that they didn't just go, oh, yeah, it's all super happy fun times, but... Um, and they did actually kind of try and touch on some of that horribleness and like the missions and the stolen generation and all that kind of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think it was it it was done in an interesting way because it, it really did uh, from um, you know the perspective of uh, the three of us all uh, living in Australia, having been mm. here for um, well, in your case, uh, all your lives, yeah. um, and for me, a good fourteen years at this point. Um, it, it does feel a bit like an introductory. Uh, I suppose, coarse, or like a little... Um, it, it almost felt like it was like a light-handed approach to the subject. Hmm. Uh, d- just to go for an international audience who might know nothing of Indigenous Australians, who oh, might yeah. not know anything about the Stolen Generation. Like the fact mm. it starts with a uh, title card which explains what the Stolen Generation was. Mm. Um, and uh, that's really important throughout the film. Yes. Um, because obviously there's the threat of um, any young half-caste children being taken away uh and i think it's very important that that was established early on and i i think the film does i don't know i, I don't know if this is just because i am I'm, I'm still in the afterglow of watching 10 canoes a couple of weeks ago which um was obviously an indigenous story told by um indigenous people um this this felt a bit it it just didn't quite click but it's an entirely different story so it's probably yeah. not fair to judge it by 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 something like Ten Canoes which is telling a very different story.
1: Yeah, I think they did a pretty decent job in this of kind of balancing I mean obviously the lead characters are still white british people, white australian people. Mm. Um but I think they did a reasonably good balance of having indigenous people and having, you know, indigenous issues brought to the table and not just glossing mm. over them but making it a really big important part of the plot mm. and the fact that you know they really love this little boy and wanted to look after him and keep him safe and mm. and all that kind of thing. So
0: I do have to say, I really enjoyed uh, Nola. And um, he's great. He, he's kid, wonderful. wonderful. I mean, this was yeah, this was really the first good. film that uh, Brandon Walters did, and um, there's a bit in the trivia trail later about how they found him, but he, mm. he he's a brilliant little performer. And you know, it's re- it's really important you get the um, to to go back to Muppets Christmas Carol. It's really important you get Tiny Tim right. Yeah, if you get that sort of character wrong, they can be very. Uh, it's the emotional resonance.
2: If you can't get the emotional core of your film right, mm. then your film's not going to work. Full yeah.
0: stop. Um, but I think that Nullah was was great. You know, it was it was that right combination of cheeky and um, he he really did have a foot in both camps. Like he he really did feel mm. like that bridging connection between uh, the two cultures. Yeah, the yeah. colonial world and the um, indigenous world, and I I I really loved his sort of. Um, wide-eyed optimism mixed with the mysticism and Mm. when um Nicole Kidman's character is telling him the story of the Wizard of Oz and you know he makes little mistakes thinking like Twister is a character's name and then learns it's a force of nature but then incorporates that Mm. into his world it's
1: and it was beautiful how they how he brought things in like there's she's saying she's singing somewhere with the rainbow to him and of course he brings in oh it's the rainbow snake Mm. and starts to bring in all the indigenous myths and because that's what his kind of understanding of these words are and whatever else and yeah, that was really lovely. And it was, it was nice to see that kind of intercultural exchange happening in such a hmm. nice way.
0: It's interesting that this film starts with a gruesome spear murder, um, which <laughs> is interesting because we, we have little Noah and he's with his grandfather, uh, the excellently named King George, um, <laughs> yes, just a, such a great, uh, nickname. Uh, King George played by David Gulpelil, uh, mm. who was also, uh, from the Ten Canoes alumni. Um, he's the narrator in that film and mm. here he's, uh, playing the part of King George. Um, and we see um, a uh, he, he tells his, his grandson to hide because there are white men about um, moving the cattle. And then suddenly one of them appears in the water above another and he's got a spear through the chest and there's all this blood. And it's like, oh, that's, that's quite the image to, to kick us off with. Um, and he runs away and goes to the, the farm uh, far, away, far Away Downs. I'm yeah. remembering that right? Yes. Uh, and that's, of course, where we then encounter uh, our two leads... Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman or as they're known in this film Sarah What's face, and you don't actually have a name you're just called Drover um,
2: I mean like that's how I refer to all my boyfriends
0: yeah by their jobs yeah
2: can I just bring us back even further further to the beginning before we yes, move go along um, what I really um, liked is and you know Ellen commented as well is before the film even starts they have a card um, a warning label basically yes. saying that any oh, yes. indigenous or Torres Strait Islanders um, watching this film, just be aware that mm. you might be seeing people who have who are deceased now. Yeah, um, which is obviously important.
0: And I think that's that. Obviously, that's something that factors into the film because in the film they explain when yes. Nola's mother uh, drowns how they can't say her name anymore. Yes. Um, and they explain that to um, Sarah Nicole Kidman's character, saying, "You know, we can't say a name anymore because because she's passed on." Yeah. Um, and it's a really important cultural touchstone, which is which is why. Um, this podcast and the Ten Canoes podcast have the warning beforehand as well because it's it's a really important central belief to any um, Indigenous people and it's more than anything it's just a a sign of respect towards the culture that yeah. that was not there for a long time in mm. the colonial history so that that, it's, I mean, that is why and that I, exists. and I mean
1: even now I mean you get those kind of warnings on. Um a lot of things on say like SBS and ABC and things like mm. that but not really on a lot of other channels mm. yeah that i've seen true. not on, not on mainstream television channels here in australia so yeah i think it's Im- important to have those kind of cultural considerations especially mm. for a film like this which has got such a great big like so many great indigenous actors and mm stories Well, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh,
0: even um I was I was very pleased to see we had uh, again. Just uh, I, I'm not I'm not trying to say that Ten Canoes was the best film, <laughs> but it's it just whenever I saw one of the alumni from Ten Canoes appearing in this film, I got mm. very very happy. And seeing um Crusoe Curdle as the tracker, I just got really excited seeing him <laughs> because he was so good in Ten Canoes. And in this, he's only got a small part, but. He's fantastic, um, but we we have our two our two leads. We have Nicole. Uh, we have
1: our two whitewashed white leads. You've got to have them.
0: And uh, Hugh Jackman did did we did we like them in their in their in their roles? Like let's, this, let, let's I, start with Nicole. I,
1: yeah, I actually really liked Nicole in this. A few mm. of the things I've seen her in, she's been a bit kind of wooden, but I think this character really suited her. Mm. And I mean, the move from really tight and uppity British woman, and I must do oh, oh, everything's just oh, 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 like to <laughs> go from that to sort of that slow evolution and you're like, you know, you know where she's gonna end up. You know that she's gonna fall in love with the kid. She's gonna fall in love with the rough, tough, gruff man, and they're gonna do the thing and it's gonna be nice and they're gonna have a nice little family. Um but, you know, I wasn't I was kind of like waiting for it all to happen, but still I was like, Yeah, I know, no, this is good. Good good character she, development. She suits
2: the acting style. Yes. She does. It's a yeah. very Baz Lehrman style It as was, well. yeah.
0: And you know, obviously those two work together on Moulin Rouge to great effect as well. The thing the thing I liked about Nicole Kibben in this film, because I found her of of like the main uh two, I found her a lot more Interesting than um, Hugh Jackman's just just kind of a bit of a it's just a bit pathetic. I found the Drover to be honest. He like, was too clean. No, 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 it was it was he was too clean. He <laughs> like, needed to a just, lot of the time. He also just needed to kind of grow up a bit, mm. which he did in the film. Um, whereas I, I found that Nicole Kidman's character Sarah um, was she was she was kooky. She was very um i mean she you know she was from the british upper class she was a toff you know she was going to be kooky but she was also she was that very particular kooky where she was bordering on being annoying but never got there mm. like it was kind of yeah. like like a really heightened caricature like you know when her luggage gets spilled and all her knickers are out in the street um, and, she's just, oh! and the whole sequence of her in the car i love the little light like, steampunk type goggles that she was wearing <laughs> It was like a really low-rent Mad Max, and I absolutely loved that aspect of it. Um, But I I thought she did really well. And then, of course, when it gets to the emotional bits a bit later into the film when things are getting serious and her connection with um, Nulla and her absolute... hatred of uh fletcher uh, fletcher jr as played by uh, mm. da- daisy wenham um, beautiful daisy wenham yeah it... god
1: he's such a jerk in this and he's so good
0: yes i love so him so good, much as he yeah. would then repeat. um i think nicole kippen was quite good in this and i agree i, really I think it's it. i think it's one of the better things that i've seen her in. Mm. I think Hugh Jackman was perfectly Hugh Jackman just basically turned up and was Hugh Jackman throughout this entire it's, film. It's, it was charming. It's, it's, essentially
1: hmm. they were like, We want you to take your shirt off and pour a bucket of water over yourself and he went, All right. Hmm. Um like it's just yeah. No, he was he was he was fine. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think she is arguably the more interesting character and then you right. know like the bit where they're dancing is like you have unlocked my tragic backstory now and oh no we're gonna have a south pacific reference now because i was totally like married to an indigenous lady but actually they wouldn't have been able to get married because that would have been like super illegal but that's beside the point um mm. yeah lots of references to musicals like sarah and i watching it going up oh, that's from south pacific oh that's from Miss Saigon. Oh, that's another thing from South Pacific.
0: Any particular things that jumped out as being references?
1: Um, well, specifically the fact that uh, Hugh Jackman's character was um, with a, an indigenous lady previously, mm. and then goes, "Oh yeah, no, my wife was indigenous, whatever." Da 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 da. da. And she asks, uh, "Did you do you have any children?" But do you have any children? Well, mm. in South Pacific, Emil actually does have children. Right. With um, with his wife. Yeah, and there were lots um, of
2: um, visual things that I'm yeah. sitting there going, "Well, that's straight out of you know Miss Saigon." Just the mm. angle of the where the guns being held and things like that. Yeah, lo- mm. lots, lots, of, lots of stuff like that. And of course, there was the Titanic reference. Oh well, my yeah, god! I
1: mean, yeah. Oh man. I'm sitting there yelling at the screen. Jack could have made it. You could have saved yeah. <laughs> him. Yeah. Oh, when
0: all the kids are trying to get onto the <laughs> and woods. Yeah, onto
1: the door. <laughs> and the other well, the other thing that reminded me of Titanic was the title, the the credits song, the first one.
0: <laughs> it did sound it a lot like Celine off Dion, and
1: I was like, "Is this Celine Dion? Mm. Is this like?" Is this what is this?
0: It, it's a weird film. I, 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 the first half an hour, or two, I'm probably going to say an hour or so, uh, up until they actually started doing the droving. Mm. I was not particularly enjoying it. I, it was, it was it's a
1: bit boring. It just, it just takes a long time to get going. Like you could probably cut like three quarters of this film and mm. have it be a lot. Sharper and quicker, and
0: or you could just lop off the last hour and it would be a perfectly fine film. I mean, Sarah was right when she said this is essentially like two films, one time, yeah, it really is. Other. Um, really but, is. but the thing that struck me about the way it was being shown, because obviously Baz Luhrmann's got a sort of heightened style, which works for certain things. Oh
1: man, there's so many green screens, so much mm. CGI and it was like, oh, that's very obvious. It has definitely aged poorly. It yeah. has. And that, that's the yeah. thing, like you
0: go back and you watch something like Strictly Ballroom, which when we get to that, um, you'll yes. find out, we yes. Ellen and I at least think it's a fantastic film. It's great. Yeah, there it. we go. Um, but... We're gonna
1: find somebody who hasn't seen it, that'll be the hard thing. Well, you shouldn't mm. have shown it to me last year then.
0: But the, um... That style... Put into this Australia film, I think it works in certain instances. I think some of the action sequences are actually quite good, yeah. uh, quite, quite, uh, more than watchable. they were actually quite thrilling. Mm, mm. But when it was being done for the opening half of an hour of the film where we're mm. seeing their backstories and all the cuts, um, it just felt a bit haphazard. But it also struck me that this film, it was almost as though Baz Luhrmann was trying to make his own version of the Chronicles of Narnia. Like it, it, fe- <laughs> it felt like Australia was being shown as... This this Magical, distant fantasy land.
2: land. I just realised it's also a bit of a reference to Oh What a Lovely War that does that as well. The film. It's yes. such a terrible
1: film of a mm. musical, but you know, mm. whatever.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I did sit you got there see, going, you
1: got, "You got to see that life. Oh, it's, it's much so much good life. life. It's so good life."
0: I did sit there uh, looking at it and going. It does feel as though it's been shot almost like a, a little bit of a fantasy film in some respects, mm. and you know the fact is Australia. Um, to to those of you outside, I'm sure you can speak to this. It sounds like a really strange place where there's like poisonous animals everywhere. It is, including strange. Tony Abbott. You know, oh
1: just... no. But as a side note, the bit where she's like, oh the kangaroos, oh oh oh, it's so and beautiful. This and then next beautiful. thing, and next thing, boom, and then there's just the trickle of blood down the windscreen. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm. that's pretty much isn't that your dad yeah not not, not
0: to bring your dad into a second (laughs) podcast Uh, in a row well
1: yeah no it kind of is Mm. it kind of is you know what else it reminded me of though is the crack which we also have to do on this podcast sometime because
0: Uh, yeah yeah, similarly kangaroos you you may learn uh are, they
1: taste delicious.
0: They are not uh, as protected as you might imagine, given that Ellen They're just really said. They're really not. They're they actually really
1: delicious. I think we're one of the few countries that actually eats the animals from our coat of arms. Mm. I think we're pretty much the only one that does that,
2: because actually, actually, worst.
1: Actually, can we just throw in that trivia as well, though? Um, does anybody know why the uh, emu and the kangaroo are on the coat of arms?
0: I believe it's because they can't walk backwards. That's exactly
1: right. Mm. So they're stuck in that emblem forever. <laughs>
0: I presume it's more of like a we'll never surrender thing, like the uh, like three legs of man are always pointing a particular way, that kind of thing. But Something like that. Anyway, You guys g-
1: can all look that up on Wikipedia mm. later.
0: Anyway, yes, uh, kangaroos here, uh, delicious, make good dog food. And uh, are and also- people food. And people food. But they're also considered, not quite vermin, but there is a, a population There's issue. a lot of them. Yeah, so... Um, There's a lot. Yes, the cuddly though they are, sometimes you got to... No, them.
2: no, you don't have <laughs> scars from those things.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, I, I did you have a cuddle with a kangaroo and it went bad?
2: <laughs> I have a scar yeah. on my arm. Okay, story
0: time. Okay. So
2: when young Sarah was adorable and five, we went on a nice, adorable family you know trip down south as you do and there's a um a sort of reserve for australian animals and you can go and they're very friendly and you <sighs> can they? you can you can feed the animals <laughs> and there are a couple of kids who were feeding the kangaroos um, and... Did they withhold the food? No, they didn't. They overfed the kangaroos <laughs> oh, no. to the point where this Joey was, uh, like, I'm, like, lost in this line of kids, like, sticking their arms through the fence to, like, put this feed for the kangaroos. And the little Joey takes a look at all the food. He's eaten, like, everyone else's food, looks at me and goes, nah, mate, nah, I'd rather eat you. um. um. So, yeah. It
1: bit you? It bit me. Mm. You had a kangaroo
2: bite? <laughs> yes. Mm. It was very painful. I had to get taken straight to um some the medics so that they could, you know, disinfect me. Oh my god. Did no. you bleed? Yes, oh a lot.
1: God. I have a scar. I oh mean, my
0: god. The the vampire kangaroo is um, <laughs> the the second most deadly animal in Australia after the drop bear. Behind the drop bear. Yes. <laughs> um so we 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 are introduced to more characters in Rapid Fire Succession once um Nicole Kidman turns up to Darwin because she's going to sell her husband's farm because she's like, look, this farm's not working. I need And he's
1: to... obviously cheating on me with all these people.
0: Yeah, yeah, all these he's bevy scumbag, of Australian totally. women. So I'm going to turn up and I'm going to sell the farm and she goes to Darwin expecting to be picked up by this drover who is played by uh, Barbara all in Hugh Jackman. Uh, but we're also introduced to a whole bunch of other characters there. there is Racist um... Ivan! Is racist, racist Ivan <laughs> the bartender? Uh, he goes who... from
1: very
2: racist to mostly racist. Yeah, Just he, a little bit racist.
0: Yeah, he, he learnt to respect um w- one of the women. individuals. Indigenous and... People once they've been killed, so you know it's yeah. it. You know it's it's a slow burn learning uh, to overcome oh, your y- your own prejudices. But we're also introduced to um, the army general played by Ben Mendelsohn.
2: He's my favorite. He's like following her around with hard eyes. It was super adorable, mm. and I had so many Rogue One moments.
0: He is much better in this than he is in Rogue One. F- you look, uh, look, just <laughs> look. He's not bad in Rogue One. It's just he sounds like a, a slowly melting Ian McKellen when he talks. You know. Just, <laughs> Director Quellick talk like yeah it's it, and in this he's actually speaking properly and he's really good and it's like why didn't you just do that in Rogue One his
1: moustache is pretty terrible though
0: yeah it's the it's the army they're, that's the, a good point they're not right? meant to be great uh, yeah no everyone can have a Stephen Fry General Melchett moustache that's a good point um it's and we were also introduced to uh, the fly strangler himself Daisy Wenham who just has this knack for how does he do that get the, the string around the fly and then you obviously didn't it.
1: grow up in Australia yeah clearly.
0: Yes, quite clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's obvious. Uh, and, and his father, um, King, King Kearney, uh played by... Carney. Carney, Carney, Carney. you
2: got to get the name. Ah, ah.
0: King Carnie. Uh, it's getting
2: him how better.
1: We've as, been teaching him strine.
0: As played by Brian Brown. <laughs> That's, that's my attempt at Queensland.
1: That's all right. It's all okay. Right. Uh,
0: yeah, Brian Brown, who's uh, the owner of uh, most of the cattle in uh, what appears to be the northern half of Australia, um, except for uh, Faraday Downs, which is owned by Nicole Kidman's husband, who is dead because he was the guy who was speared at the what? beginning. And so, yes, it's all mysterious. Who could have done it? Could it have been uh, King George who's been blamed because it was obviously a spear? Or could it be the... Um, the, the people that own the 95% of the rest of the cattle lands and are trying to create a monopoly. Hmm, hmm. It's, it's you know, it's a mystery.
2: It's a mystery. I mean, to be fair to King Carney,
0: yeah.
2: he didn't condone murder.
0: No, and he, I, I don't think he, I mean, he, we, we know, he when he found out that his son murdered, um, son-in-law, sorry, murdered um, Nicole Kidman's husband, um, he disinherited him. Pretty much, Mm. yeah. Yeah, he said, you're not going to get anything. And that ultimately led to him being eaten by a crocodile because his son is... um... And the
1: Northern Territory is messed up, man. Don't go there. You will be eaten by a crocodile or you will get swept away by... Currents, or you will die. Basically, yeah, his, his son is northern the territory northern is
0: territory. Jo- Joseph Stalin, just working his way up the ladder with gruesome murders. Oh, so
1: happy when he got skewered. Mm. Spoilers. Died. Yeah,
0: we, we'll get to that. Um, it was
1: just the best, and I that mean, guy just being like, "Oh, i was just going to leave him there." Basically,
2: Faramir got the ring and just went super evil. Yeah, this is oh, what no would nice. have happened
0: if uh, Faramir got the uh, the ring. Um, so Nicole Kidman, uh, whose character is called Sarah Ashley, but I'm sticking yeah. to Nicole at this point because
2: um, <laughs> I keep saying yeah whenever they say Sarah.
0: Yeah they they get to they get to the estate. Um and they they realise, nope, oh, this this place is uh it's not great, we need to work this out. She figures out that they're being um swindled. Swindled. I was gonna use the word diddled, and then I realised <laughs> that's that's a very English term for swindled. Yeah, so, so it swindled. doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so yes, uh it was swindled by by the um the rival ranchers and so she kicks him out it's like well you're gonna need some rust- uh, rustlers you're gonna need some drovers now so uh i hope you haven't ticked off any independent drovers in the first half of this film and she goes oh rats i better get uh, hugh jackman over here uh, drover <laughs> i'm not gonna learn your name drover and uh hugh jackman is uh enticed uh by the promise of a very particular english filly no not nicole uh, an actual <laughs> horse that she what has. was
2: the superpower you gave him
0: oh uh, right place right time man yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he literally just kept turning the whole film yeah right place right time he, yep. it's an amazing power uh he his his um employment is bought with the promise of giving him a, an english filly so that he can breed it with an australian horse so that he can make like some sort of super intercontinental horse that will always win the ashes yeah you know, something like that
1: <laughs> the ashes yeah it's the, melbourne cup probably
0: i was going for the first england australia thing that i could connect okay. he'll win them both <laughs> melbourne cup and the ashes Look at him go! Um,
1: How does he hold the bat? Oh my goodness! No <laughs> rules against it.
0: There's nothing he, yet. Oh, he, oh man, Air, he's, he's an, an excellent bowler. Yeah. He just
1: puts it in his mouth and just. Puh!
0: If we can see airbud with cricket, yes, please. There's <laughs> nothing in the rules that says a horse can't play international cricket. Uh, <laughs> so, they they end up creating a magnificent six and a quarter, not a magnificent seven, because uh, Nulla's too short apparently. But yes, um, Nulla is going to go droving along with. Um, with the the drunk accountant uh, Mr. Flynn uh, played wonderfully by Jack Thompson um just just a big old fat drunk guy who's just wandering around going I'm I'm uh, blah, blah. it just mums, mumbling and slurring his way through most of the film mm. um, and they go off and they're gonna drove these cattle all the way to Darwin but oh Fletcher fly strangler Fletcher he, he's not happy with that so so they try and kill them with fire they start a stampede it kind of. Really?
1: They killed Nulla's mum first, though. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry, kind well, of incidentally, because yeah, she drowns in the right. water tower. Yes, they're hiding from I was the getting place. some, like, Mad Windmill baby vibes. Which, also, great play. Look it up. Anything. Female
2: death to move on a male characters. Yeah, man yeah. pain. Story. Yeah. Man yeah. pain.
1: and 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 a, and a female... Indigenous lady, Indigenous lady. Mm. I mean Person that was also mm. like
0: just But <clears> yes, <throat> Nala's mother, sorry. Um yes, they they're hiding from the police when it's um, obviously been established about the uh, stolen generation danger and they're hiding in the water tower and it fills up with water and unfortunately she drowns because she she is essentially choosing to stay hidden and sacrifice her own life so that her son doesn't get taken off to the one of these awful uh, missions. Um mm. and yeah, it's it, but it that then forges the connection between Nullah and um Sarah Ashley because then, you know, as Hugh Jackman says, "You're a woman, go go be a mother."
1: And she's like, "Oh no, I don't know how to. I'm not good with children." And in my brain, I went, "Oh man, she's gonna be barren." And then, like three quarters of the way through the movie, she was like, "Oh no, I can't have children." I'm like, "Oh, I called it in my brain. I should have said it out loud."
0: And she was technically a Baroness as well. She
1: so. technically was. So there you go. Um,
0: Yes, yeah, so they 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 go off. They they um, try and get the cattle to Darwin. Oh no, Fly Strangler Fletcher turns up and f- tries to force them off a cliff. And Jack Thompson gets uh, the crap kicked out of him by a stampede of cows. And has... he should
2: have he been looked... a lot more mangled. It looks pretty good for yeah. a stampede victim.
0: He did, but at the same time, it was nice and gory. Also, and...
1: he was on his front when he got trampled. Why was he on his back when they got to him? You put facts in the story. Yeah. Look, did he just like he got flip over? He probably stampin- got kicked he, over. He like... probably
0: got tumbled over multiple times. You know, I I don't imagine that you you stay trodden in your initial position. No, I would end. I
1: would I would say if enough. Although to be fair, his right leg was pretty mangled. He should have mm. been pulp. He should have been pulp. Like, like he, he should have been his out head should have been caved in. Like oh, they mm. did a little bit. Of, I guess it was probably too gory. No, he had to give the well, he had to give the final and he had to give the the the, the musical rum. instrument.
0: And he had to give the rum as well so that um yeah, they could get drunk. Yeah, Nicole and uh, Hugh could get sexy go to the sexy tree. Sexy tree. <laughs> okay, can I, I just kiss. can I just
1: can I just mention here at this juncture that so many good screen kisses.
0: Yeah. yeah like really good, good screen kisses. I approve of the screen kisses. Mm. And that's saying something. I know, right? That's saying something. Mm.
1: But like yeah, like a lot of the time screen kisses are just like really like, oh this is like super chaste And it's like oh God, or they look shit. like they're eating each other's faces off. This was gross. this was a really good kind of like, and I mean the first one they were essentially. Although there was one bit in the first kiss where they were basically just like, like breathing into each other's mouths. Oh, and like I was like, a whole thirty seconds. Like, and I'm going. I really hope that they haven't been eating a lot of beans or anything like that. That's just going to be they real probably gross. have. True. True. Mm. Um, down that we also we learned to... paint your wagon that was the other musical we were thinking of so many paint your wagon moments oh mm-hmm. my god well the whole stampede bit and they're all running around in their hats and i was like oh yeah. man it's like a really crap spaghetti western like what's going on man like steven also uh, made a good
2: point Where in australia no hat no play yes, yes. school today yes they had to you know you can go out and help but you have to have your hat first yeah Especially every time they went
0: action. to do something y, hugh jackman was grabbing his hat and grabbing other people's hats and put them on their head like he grabs um sarah's hat and puts it on her head and you just like no hat no play he was brought up in australia (laughs) for
1: those for those of you who are outside of australia and don't know what no hat no play is essentially when you're in like primary school so like early like schooling uh if you don't have a hat you're not allowed to go outside because you will get burnt by the sun and get skin cancer and die because the sun is so flipping hot down here and the uv will just like destroy you Mm. so like to the point where legitimately when i was at school i wasn't allowed to walk through, like, an undercover, like, walkway to get my lunch because I didn't have a hat with me. So I had to sit on the veranda, which was in full sun at that time of the day. (laughs) <laughs> like, legitimately, Australia. like legitimately, that's how strangely they hold to these rules. It's insane. They're just like, if you have no hat, you literally cannot leave your front veranda of your classroom. You have to stay there for the whole... You can't go anywhere. Okay.
2: Speaking of heat, so back when um, Nala's mother dies, hmm. they get dragged out of the water tank on top of it. And I'm sitting there watching Hugh Jackman and the kid... Going, oh my god, you are being burnt alive on that thing. Have on you ever touched metal. hot metal <laughs> mm. in the middle of the Australian summer? That's I mean, the worst. Get you branded die. by you get
1: branded by like seat car belts. things. Yeah, car mm. seat belts. Like,
2: like I was sitting there just getting like horrible childhood flashbacks. Mm. Yeah. It's real hot here. Mm.
1: It's real hot. It's real bad.
0: <laughs> they make it to Darwin though, they, yes, get, they, do. they, get, they get through it Some of them, most of them. <laughs> but yeah, but then uh, oh,
1: why did you do that? You said they made it to Darwin and now I've got Santa never made it into Darwin in my head. What's that? It's the song about the tornado that came and blew the whole town away. Oh,
0: in 1974? Yes. Was it
1: 74? Uh, 73, I think. 73 okay. Christmas. For those of you who don't know, Darwin got the crap bombed out of it during this film, which is historically accurate because in World War II, it did get the crap bombed out of it. Mm. And then like 30 years later, a massive tornado came down and destroyed basically all of Darwin mm. again on Christmas Eve. Mm. So Darwin's had a bit of a hard run. And Just there's never a, go there. And
0: there's a Christmas song.
1: And there's literally a Christmas song about it and how about sad Santa it is. Not going Sa- go. about Santa never made it into Darwin.
0: Well, it's Santa actually a really depressing have, but song. But Hugh Jackman did. He did. But, they got there with their cows, <laughs> but oh no. Daisy Wenham as Fly Strangler Fletcher has got all their cows there as well. And now it's a cow race. And they have a race. And luckily our heroes managed to get the cow on the boat. So the army are going to buy their cows and there's no longer a monopoly. And it feels like the film can end. Yay! Yay, But it doesn't. It's
1: got Return of the King Syndrome. (laughs) But just like even worse. Mm. So much worse. It'd
0: be like if um, Peter Jackson had tried to do the first half of The Hobbit at the end of... Uh, return of the king is basically what it started to feel like because then <laughs> they got the cows and it was all <laughs> great and then we had the ball and they had to go to the the ball and we see um nicole kidman making a scene of herself to all them brilliant older ladies playing like the <gasps> so much shade oh, the oh lady God. in
1: the yellow dress when she's dancing with him just like looking at her like <laughs> could you? oh man it's yes. so and good she gets to speak to look king. out for the lady she lady gets to
0: speak to king Kenny, Carney. Carney, not
1: Curly. What the hell was that? I don't know. Carney, Carney. King Carney, yeah,
0: King Carney, who runs the uh, local carnival. Uh, King Carney, and um, can't do it. He's very, very big and very, very strong. King can. Oh God.
1: Okay. Carry <laughs> There's on. my
0: musical reference. No. Wow. To the King Kong not musical. No. Australia's finest ever musical export. <laughs> uh, it was very let's bad. Let's move. Let's move on. Let's uh, yes, move moving on. on. Um, so she meets king carney um they they have a bit of he a...
1: pays 500 pounds to have a dance with her and
0: they have a discussion like about, a trollop yeah essentially just going uh all right you've had your fun then get out of town and she's like oh maybe i should get out of town and then hugh jackman turns up and he shaved off his beard <gasps> and that changes True her love. mind completely and well, then it
1: starts yeah. raining and it's so romantic and they kiss in the rain well and then fair, they make out a lot a lot of her
2: experiences with him that have been super sexy have had to do with water maybe it's like a metaphor
0: Hmm. for getting her wet um (laughs) (laughs) i'm just just, that was fast
1: fast well done well done
0: thank you um so then we have what seems like the first ending, but then no, we see that King Kani gets crocodile murdered um, by his son. So in his law. son takes over the empire, yeah. uh, marries his daughter. Sorry, his son-in-law. My apologies. Um, not
1: quite son-in-law because he hasn't married the girl at this point. He Marries yet. her. But she's adorable. After. She's so sweet.
0: She oh, does yeah. not
2: deserve
1: her family. No. Nope. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Poor. Because um, that was Essie, Essie Davis uh, who played her. Who was? Um, it was yeah, a very sweet-looking lady, and then gets killed by in the in the bombing of. Um, Darwin um unfortunately but yes it's um y- yeah so he takes over now he he's the head of the the, the big cattle um herd and we we get the the storyline coming through about Nullah having to go walk about you know he spent mm. time with the the white half of his uh, heritage and now uh, King George is essentially signalling it's time for you to start walkabout. It's time for uh, him to begin his transition into manhood, and in order to do that, you've got to go walkabout, which basically just means wandering off into the desert and never knowing when, if, if this kid's going to return. And obviously Nicole Kidman doesn't want that to happen because mm. she's attached to the cute little uh, Tucker, so a, she's like, uh, yeah. "No, he can't go." And uh, Hugh Jackman's explaining, no, it, this it's is cultural. The, yeah, he this cultural. Yeah, this
1: this is an important cultural thing that he has to do in order to become a man, and it's part of his." you know culture isn't as as a half-caste kid he's got his indigenous culture as well and Mm. he needs to do that and she can't let go
0: Mm. and at the same time she can't let go of him and he's like I've got to go off and be a drover and she's like don't and he's like well tough and then every
1: time he comes back they have mad kinky sex Mm. obviously but then
0: this one time it's too much of an issue because he essentially comes back from a six month drove in the dry season and then has to go out immediately to do another drove for the Mm. army because uh, the war effort's on corned beef yep yeah Um, so more
1: or less tinned corned beef that would have been what it would have been for an army marches
0: on its stomach and a stomach marches on corned beef they (laughs) really (laughs) did the Australia's Finest. they um so they have a bit of a tiff and uh to the point where she says uh, leave and don't come back yeah mr drover i would perhaps re- prefer if you left that you didn't return he goes fine and just gets i'm gonna call horse your bluff mate fine off. yeah fine <laughs> <No>. fine. <laughs> I'll just, fine i'll just i'll stop <laughs> um and so off he rides um the the kid um uh Nulla and uh, king george get arrested By by the cops. They shoot the dog. And they shoot the dog. What kind of
2: bastard would kill the dog? dog?
0: I know. We're really lucky he doesn't go all John Wick on everyone and and, and goes on a a big uh, revenge murder spree. Um, But they get arrested and detained. Mm. And. Uh, meanwhile, Hugh Jackman's off having a cry by his sex tree, um, just going yeah, um, sex tree. stop whistling songs that I like. It's uh, a boab,
1: to... I'm pretty sure. It
0: is. Mm. Well, it's the tree they they had their big kiss by, and his uh, companion Magari is there whistling all these tunes. He's like, no, that makes me sad, and he kind of just goes, mate, deal with it. You've got to like sort your shit out. You obviously love the the uh, the lady, the boss lady. Go deal with it. Um, oh, and by, and then when uh, the walkabout uh, of Nullah gets mentioned, he goes what do you mean you didn't go after him and didn't check? He could have been eaten by a croc or he could have been detained. <laughs> and uh, essentially just calls out the, the drover on his on his own personal BS and says, you need to go back and stop running away from things and go confront what's happening. And they do, which means that they get back to Darwin just in time for the aftermath of the bombing of Darwin by the Japanese. Super lucky. Yeah. Like Great I say, timing. Right right, right, place, time. right time. Right place, right time, man. Yeah. Um, Good job, drover. Now, the attack sequence on Darwin... Was pretty pretty good. Yeah, I thought. I, it, yeah, yeah. Like this, this film has a few hit and miss moments, but this was definitely a, a, <laughs> like a big <laughs> highlight.
1: Hit. And it was Oops. nice because they got to the point where they were like, "All right, we've blown everything up now, so we don't have to use that standardized CGI shot that we had the clock tower in the left hand corner mm. and then the rest of the city all spread." I swear that was the same shot every single time. Mm. I swear. It probably was. It was... It, they used it, like, about a dozen times. It must have been like, well, there's the half the budget of the film that we did to do this CGI version of 1940s Darwin, so we'd better use it a lot. So they just used it and everything. And then they blew it all up. And it was like, oh, good.
0: Mm. Um, times. And I really i i really enjoyed the set dressing for the for the oh yeah it was beautiful those bits they did a really really good job of just creating this absolute chaos
2: when they had a set i mean let's face it so much green screen a lot of green painting but that
0: that one corner of darwin where the pub is like that was a great that was a great set and the way they dressed Mm. it for that sequence um post the attack was great um
1: yeah especially the bar yeah the bar was just messed up jeez yeah
0: and mm. um nullah was sent to uh, mission island uh, which mm. was the first place that was encountered by the japanese on their way to darwin and that got bombed and real bad yeah and when um hugh jackman uh turns up into town and hears that um the mission kids weren't evacuated he helps a priest hijack a boat and um, as you do yeah they go when and re- hugh jackman went yeah they go yeah they go and rescue the and um, with Ivan the, the
1: bartender because yeah. why not who finally let an indigenous guy drink in his bar because well the whole bar's basically blown up anyway, so it doesn't matter now, we're all the same. of course, at this point, they all think that Sarah's dead.
0: Yes, because uh, the 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 tower blew up. Yeah, the the place where she was working as part of the war effort got blown up and uh, Mm. we as the audience are made to believe it because there was a body found and it it had her her name tag on it or something And Ben
1: Mendelsohn said it, so therefore it must be true. Um, Absolutely. And I was like, oh no, it's going to be the other lady because she was also blonde. mm. And
0: and she's the villain's wife, which means that she has to die. Yeah, because we have to make him sad because
1: Yeah, she did, and yeah. but also that 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 dude totally deserved his comic comeuppance because he was like, "I've lost everything," and it's like, "Yeah, you deserved it, mate. You mm. are the worst."
0: We also see uh, in that that uh, rescue the children um, sequence in Mission Island, uh, Megari unfortunately uh, is killed by the Japanese soldiers. Uh, he, he
1: again, hey, it's a uh, character who is a person of color. Mm. Obviously, they're going to do the heroic thing and be expendable.
0: Yeah, but <sighs> uh, but it was it was it was well done in that sequence yeah. i was actually really um I, I find myself really engaged with that sequence and it was, it was a, a
1: really good sequence it was mm. a
0: really good performance and you know having the um just how cold the japanese soldiers were in that sequence was mm-hmm. really effective of of just having all of a sudden this this mechanized war um imagery coming into a film which has been a lot about. Um, rustic living and the ways of the indigenous people yeah. um, and and then also the fact that you have that wonderful shot of um, David Goldplill as King George after he busts out of the prison because the place is getting bombed and he's just standing in the middle of the street and everything is blowing up and around He's just him.
1: standing there in the middle of it all and I'm mm. like oh he's going to get like totaled in a minute and he didn't. Well it's like cool guys walk from explosions and cooler guys just
2: stand there just and let it happen around chill. them and
0: just yeah.
1: watch everything go boom boom.
0: And it was just that, just that, that meeting <sighs> of very different experiences worlds, and worlds coming yeah. together was was really well done and it was a mm. i'm gonna say it was a rare highlight in this film it was, um, it was pretty epic yeah uh, but luckily hugh jackman gets his uh, band of um child misfit pirates uh, <laughs> oh they, they,
2: my god maybe his fagin
0: what like a a darwin fagin yeah because
2: hmm. he he adopts he adopts all the kids and like hmm. takes them away is that what he did <laughs>
1: I wish he adopted them. Mm.
0: Yeah. No, Ben Mendelssohn adopted them. Remember? Ben, he, in he, ben head, Mendelsohn in my head. My head adopted them, and, ben then ben ben they, and then they and then they,
1: and then they became uh, the next generation of stormtroopers. who built the Death Star. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly
0: what happened. Sure. Totally. This, this is a connected uh, universe. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, stormtroopers. Didn't by build virtue the of Death like
1: Star, like seven degrees of Ben Mendelsohn. Mm. Obviously, it wasn't stormtroopers. It now. Oh, my Nerd. God. <laughs> you can get into the specifics <laughs> next time you do a Star Wars podcast, all right? When when, 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 when when we do get to Rogue One, Rogue One yeah, yeah, I'm on it.
0: They have their lovely family reunion. Um, Nicole You're Kidman, Hugh Nicole Jackman, Kidman Kidman and Nulla. Oh But, God. oh, no, Fly Strangler Fletcher has found a rifle, and he's going to shoot the kid because he, he can't deal with anyone else having a happy time and also his wife's just been killed and he's lost everything. But, because
1: he has super bad karma because he's a jerk, so he deserved hmm. it.
0: But luckily he is uh we, we are saved from the death of Nulla by a handy dandy improvised uh spear by King George from a water tower, just getting a bit of metal and just hucking it it's right through. Yeah. Right through him. And then of course the Copper um, pipe. he confirms to um to Fletcher that Nulla is his son. Because of course it was talked throughout the film about the fact that oh, Fletcher might have had a, a half-cast child.
1: Well, it was pretty obvious by the fact that he, like, went on to the homestead that first day and then basically, like, nicked off into one of the rooms.
0: With, with his mother. With,
1: with Nola's mum. It was pretty obvious but that it, he was, but it was never screwing around with her. But it
0: was never implicitly stated until that point in the film. That's where you get that Oh, real... yeah, well, there
1: was, there, there was lots mm. of um, implications. Yeah. that You knew, was, but at the same yes. time, yeah.
0: It was explicitly stated by King George, who says, you know, that, that boy is your son and he's my grandson. And also, I just totally speared you. And also, you know he tried to frame me for spearing that guy. Well, karma is a bitch. So more or less, here yeah. it is. And, and then, then
1: and then he just collapses. Mm. And then the guy comes over and goes, "Oh, oh yeah, the police officer." The police officer comes over, checks his pulse, and goes, "Yeah, he did." Well, I'm not staying here because if the Japanese come back and bomb us again, then I'm gonna die. I'm you're just gonna stay here, mate. You can just mm. rot. Bye. And then, you just of course, there. Yeah, well, you it's know, amazing. You might as well.
0: And oh, then, um, the
1: humidity in Darwin, though, man, that was mm, oh, can you imagine coming back oh, to that? No, I don't no. want to think about it. <laughs> mm.
0: Moving swiftly on to the end of the film, then we, um, <laughs> we see them on their trip back to Faraday Downs, um, far away downs, sorry, um, not, not me a Faraday, <laughs> or indeed a Faraday engine. <clears throat> On their way to faraway Downs, Um, they're stopped. They're having a little picnic or something. And then
2: at the the sex tree, at the
0: sex tree. And then um, (laughs) love Boab. Yeah. And then King George is there. love (laughs) boab, And he is indicating now is the time for Nullar to go walk about. And Nicole Kidman's character is able to accept that and say, okay, off you pop. I love you lots. And they have that lovely connection. And then they go away. And that's that's the end of the film. We see uh, King George and his his grandson Nullar, walking off into the into the sunset, um, preparing to go on his Nullah's acceptance into the um, indigenous side of his heritage. And then that's that's where the film ends. And, and then get, the
1: really bad Celine Dion sounding cover, followed song. by the
0: really bad Elton John. Song. Oh God! And then just to top it all off, some Rolf Harris. Wham bam <laughs> three yeah there oh. yeah. I
1: was I was actually I was actually digging trying to pick out all the musical stuff because obviously they had a bit of a, a, a Rolf Harris wobble board bit in mm. the middle of the film that they bit also has they aged also the yeah oh, <laughs> oh man I winced a lot through that yeah, um, yeah. yeah. in hindsight mm. rah, um there's also super super epic slow down world sing Matilda which they used mm. a bunch of times and I remember they'd used it at least once and then the second time it was on you went. Is this is World Team Matilda. That was the fifth time it had been. And been I played. was like, oh, uh, yeah, it's like a super slowed down, like epic instrumental orchestra version. They've played it a few times already. Mm. How did you miss this? Well, it's also
2: interesting how right at the end they had the, the, the final sort of um, cards oh, yes. that came up about, you know, Australian history and what was it? Yeah. Um, the first one, the stolen 19... generation. Uh, yeah, the, the, the stolen generation. Uh, yeah.
0: The the act behind that was eventually stopped in 1973,
1: which was like 30 years after this. Oh, it doesn't. Man. It
0: also didn't mention um, one of the things it could have mentioned but didn't was the fact that um, Indigenous people were included officially as citizens of Australia in 1967 after a referendum where everyone voted and said, "Yeah, you guys can can be in." Because
1: be previous people. to that, they were considered flora and fauna, which is just kind of horrifying.
0: And then, of course, the <gasps> final title card, Sarah, yes. uh, about the apology.
1: Yeah, uh, Sorry Day, 2008. Good Can on you, you Kevin sleep? Rudd. Good on you, crud. We love you.
0: Yes, uh, then Prime Minister <laughs> Kevin Rudd, uh, as part of his um, campaign to be elected into office, was, was did say that he would uh, perform Is- an, yeah, official an official apology from the Australian government regarding the Stolen Generation. And he did just that the same year this film came out. So. And
1: they included it in the thing. And but I was mm-hmm. like, Man, yes.
0: Yes. So, ultimately... Mm. Good film, not a good film. What, what, what do we, what do we think?
1: Okay, film, a middling film, middling film. Mm. Not like super great, awesome, super happy fun times. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Ah, some good elements, some kind of eh, elements. Just kind of good fun.
2: Yeah, I think my my opinion from the beginning of this podcast is the same.
0: Okay, so it neither uh, improved nor hampered it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I remembered things. and went, oh, that's why I liked it. And then mm. other things went, that's why I didn't like it. Mm. So, mm.
0: Would you like some IMDb trivia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's trivia start troll. with some trivia about how Nicole Kidman saved Hugh Jackman's <gasps> life.
2: Really? <laughs> I think, I remember this. Tell me. I remember mm. that this happened.
0: She saved him from a poisonous scorpion on the set.
1: Did she just go up and like flat out stomp on it?
0: Not quite. When she was about to join Hugh um, in in the bag... Um she noticed a poisonous scorpion crawling on his leg. Um she calmly told him not to move, squatted down, scooped it up with her hat <gasps> walked over to the woods and released it, and oh all my gosh. The, and all the crew applauded. They then asked why she didn't just stomp on it, and she said, "I would never kill an animal. Every creature has a purpose. This one just didn't belong on Hugh's leg."
2: Oh my gosh, Gosh, she's so beautiful. (laughs) You know, I've nearly um, been attacked by scorpions twice. Was it?
0: Did you go to a scorpion petting zoo? And did you?
2: (laughs) No, no. I was running around as I did as a child, bare with bare feet, as I am now. You were Um, obviously asking for it, Sarah. (laughs) Okay, one time. One time was on um, our front. driveway driveway one Mm. time i was on the driveway and like it was a good you know huge one it was huge um and i nearly stepped on it i got picked up Mm. and carried away just as my foot was going down Mm. and the other time it was only a little baby one Mm. i was in the bush uh i must have been five or six again because
1: you know that was a good age for me everything happened to you when you were like five or six isn't that when you got burnt as well no i I was 14 months old okay oh
2: basically all these things happened because we were going on family events you know with my Family and you were I trying to was. do that
0: in Australia. That was the problem.
2: <laughs> and, um, so basically, again, we're on a family outing in the bush and I'm about to step out of the car barefoot into the bush because I was crazy. And I start getting yelled at by both of my parents, which it's usually just my mum yelling at me, but... Also, my dad, that made me stop because he wasn't a yelly sort of person. Uh,
1: Yeah, and then I looked down and, oh, there's a scorpion right where I was about to put my foot. Mm. She's going on. Okay, but, like, I I also grew up in Australia and I also went on family trips to the bush and I didn't really step on scorpions all the time. Do you remember that time where I got bit...
2: By a huge ant and yes. my entire foot went purple because Sarah yes. went outside in the bush barefoot for like an hour. You would
1: think that you would have learned after living in this country for your entire life that you probably shouldn't go out in the bush with bare feet if you don't want to get eaten. Just by makes me stronger. ants and scorpions, does it?
2: Like does all it Australians, mm. it,
1: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. Like magpies, we've
0: just come oh, out of super and... In an interview aired in October, on October the 16th, 2008, Hugh Jackman told 60 Minutes that Nicole Kidman agreed to star in the film without reading the script. Um, according to Jackman, she told him at a Super Bowl party that they were at that she had to be in the movie. When Jackman told her that he, that he didn't have the script yet, she said, forget it. She just really wanted to work with Baz Luhrmann again.
1: Oh, that's sweet. Yeah.
0: Um, Heath Ledger was originally cast to be in this film, hmm. but backed out to do The Dark Knight. Wow. wow. I think he made the correct choice in terms of a film career. Um, Maybe
1: not in terms of his mental health. Yes, but, but uh, I think,
0: yeah. yeah, Australia, The Dark Knight, Who I know was he what supposed I'm supposed pres- to be. I'm going to presume David Wenham's character. That's, Ooh, the, en- that's the only person that's it could about have
2: been. That's the only person it could have been.
0: I'm now just imagining like him but doing his portrayal of, of the Joker but as the fly strangler. Just like <laughs> yeah. in
1: the nurse's outfit like yeah. with the string.
0: Pride. Before the fall. What was it he said?
1: The, the
2: pride. No, no, pride not it, price? Pride, pride
0: not price, my lady. Pride not price. Yeah. <laughs> um, over 1,500 wild horses were used for this film. Uh, including... I was one of them. Yes, yeah, as we said. <laughs> I was that kangaroo <laughs> that was shot. <laughs> was, we, we we're all in this film. Um, Nicole Kidman prepared for her role by touring the country with her family, riding horses, and even castrating bulls on her! wow i yeah. guess now she didn't castrate a bull in this film so i feel <laughs> as though <laughs> she just did that for fun she just got really that into was an it. extra that's mm.
1: that's some real method acting right there
0: mm. Filming began in the spring of 2007 and went on for nine months. Baz Luhrmann constantly reshot scenes until he got things just the way he wanted. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. The project went well over budget. This film, by the way, cost $130 million. Woo! Um, it went well over budget, causing scheduling problems. Australia itself was not very cooperative. Of course, uh, it wasn't. Filming was delayed by bad weather on several occasions.
1: Bloody country. They were filming in the Northern Territory. Of <laughs> course, they got delayed by. Friggin' weather.
0: The largest and most expensive set was completely flooded when huge rain showers hit a part of the country that rarely gets rain. Aha,
1: uh-huh, that sounds like Australia.
0: Uh, Lerman was forced to secure more funding and make some compromises. Uh, shooting of the final scenes moved from Darwin to Bowen because the local government provided half a million dollars to film in Bowen. So. Good on them. Yeah, it was. Um, it it was doesn't bit...
1: surprise me that like, the, the film industry here was just like, nah, we're not going to give you any more money because mm-hmm. this is not going to increase our tourism.
0: Um, Nicole wow. Kidman was one of 15 people to have a baby whilst on this film. Oh uh, my 15 members of the cast How and did crew. they
1: hide that? She's so tiny in this. Mm. Did they CG her baby bump out like they did for um, Gal Wonder- Gadot in I, I Wonder don't Woman know. or what?
0: I honestly don't know. I just know that she is one of 15 people who had a baby at some point oh during gosh. this production. Because she's tiny. Um, Nicole Kidman and David Wenham have known each other since they were fourteen years old. Aww. They Aww. went to the same drama classes in Sydney. Oh
1: man! Aww.
0: So they got to work with each other on this, and they also worked with each other on a film in two thousand and sixteen called Lion, where they actually played a married couple. Yeah,
2: really good film. Yeah, mm. I haven't seen oh, it. I, I cried and Dev, so much. And, and
1: Dev Patel's in it as well. I cried one? so yeah. much. Yeah. Like mean, it's a really good
2: film. Again, she plays you know, an list. adoptive list. mother, and it's on my list. Uh, mm. Why?
0: Baz Luhrmann searched Australia for over a year to find someone to play Nullah, the good. young boy. Uh, after a series of workshops at the Fox Studios in Australia, Lerman and his team travelled to Broome and camped with Brandon Walters' family uh, at 80 Mile Beach, and that's when he met Walters, and when he met Brandon, he just cast him on the spot. He would have he just been met like, him and went, oh, yep, you, got you, it." yep. <laughs> wow. So, oh, good God, time. Again, right place, right time, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Uh, Javert's own Russell Crowe was attached to be a lead in this production but left when 20th Century Fox executives tried to stay within the budget by reducing his salary.
2: That could have been why they had the gladiator shot. Yeah, oh with
0: the hand, the hand going the the hand. I'm just trying to imagine who would he have been? Like he, he, he would have been Bro- Drover? Yeah, probably wouldn't have worked Oh he could have been um, King, King Carney oh, that's true that could have That's been, a good point He could have been very good He
1: would have been great at that I point. mean
0: I, I like what Brian Brown did He was wonderful um, mm. But but yeah Just seeing him there Would have
2: been Jean, like, At last <laughs> Your cattle's off the plane <laughs> Oh my gosh
0: <laughs> You will sell your cattle to me <laughs> And I'm Javel All two, four, six, one of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's another musical reference How many can we fit into the podcast? Mm. Alright what else?
0: There was some cattle on the ground They drank from poison water holes
1: It doesn't really scan But anyway, okay Mm.
0: Uh, Moving on The production spent several weeks in Kununara
1: In Kununara in Western Australia Yeah, Temperatures
0: there got as high as 42.7 degrees Celsius Oh, it's not even that hot, mate That's 109 to uh, any Americans listening um which you might disagree and go no that is that hot
1: that's how hot it was uh two years ago when we went to new york and they were like oh how are you dealing with like the really cool temperatures and we were like it's like 100 degrees fahrenheit at home and mm. they were like oh my gosh i can see why you're enjoying the snow and we were like yes mm. very much so damn straight
0: and finally um far away downs was dismantled in 2011 the actual set oh yeah um an Indigenous organisation in the Kimberley, Western Australia, claimed it was located on their land and requested that it be removed. Uh, despite a report predicting that it could attract as many as 90,000 visitors annually if restored with an Australia movie-themed uh, attraction, Tourism Western Australia decided not to keep um, Faraway Downs as a tourist attraction and closed it down.
1: That kind of doesn't surprise me.
0: Mm. So... Yes, it was... um, Ultimately, I think it's a good move. I think that's a good move. I don't think the movie Australia has gotten to the point... Oh, got to a point of popularity where you need um, an attraction to come visit.
1: We've got other things to look at.
2: I mean, if you want to, like, celebrate this movie, go and see Australia. Go on, get out there and see Australia. You know, go actually and see the country.
1: Yeah. Mm. Go, Go to the Northern Territory and make sure that you... If you decide you want to go there in the wet season and you want to drive somewhere, that you don't go with people who know what the hell they're doing because the amount of stupid tourists who drown because they try and go through flooding friggin' things and then they get swept away with their entire truck and they die... Don't do that. Well, I recently, but still come to Australia. But still come yeah, to nice. Australia. Just don't <laughs> just don't do stupid things. Make sure that you like you know actually research it a lot because some of the places are very very dangerous. Or you know come to the main cities because it's safer there. See, I, I recently generally.
2: met some some people who are British and academics, mm. and they were touring around the northern parts of Australia, uh, mostly in the Northern Territory and Western Australia. Mm. And they decided to go for a wander into like the mangroves, yeah. um, and they they went for a bit of a swim. Mm. <gasps> And they'd been told, they have for some reason got in their heads that the crocodiles were on the
1: beach. No. And
2: I, the, the Australians just stopped and stared
1: at this person in horror and said, how are you alive right now? How did now? you not die? Mm. The one that really makes me laugh is when people go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and see Australia. I'm, oh, how, long are you, how long are you coming over here for? Oh, I'm coming over for like a week. And you're like, you literally can't. It is too big. Mm. It is too big unless you are literally just flying the entire time and you're not going to see anything. You're just going to be looking at it from the air and going, oh, look, it's very dry mm. and kind of yellowy in green like it's just yeah Mm. it's always really interesting coming back to australia having been like elsewhere because as you're flying in it's like wow it's very yellow and very very like yellowy green Mm. very very dirt
0: Mm. it's a different place and nothing like those animated maps they had (laughs) which were great i really enjoyed the animated maps in this film but didn't quite reflect the color before we finish Mm. because this is an australian film and because it's about world war ii I, around about this time last year, I encountered, through some various internet trawling, um, obviously, during World War Two, there were contingency plans on both sides. Yes. I discovered... Uh, some documents which related to what nazi germany's plan was for australia oh yes yeah if they'd um if they'd ended up winning the war yeah so i located it down it's it's an you found it
1: again i think you told me about this when you found it last year
0: yes uh so for listeners at home if you uh go to a website called trove.nla.gov.au you can search for a document called Hitler's plan for Australia. It's
1: the National Library of Australia. Mm. I'm I'm excited. Tell me more. You haven't heard this. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, oh boy. So this
0: comes from a document. Uh, the div- basically the division of Australia between Germany and Italy. Uh, Australia's place in the plans of um, Herr Hitler was revealed by Paul Grisser in the Australian Asiatic Bulletin. It may find sound f- I'll start that again, quote. It may sound fantastical, he writes, but there is already an agreement in existence in in regard to Australia, drafted by Hitler and signed by him and Mussolini. According to this agreement, Australia will be divided between Germany and Italy. So, the way it's divvied up. Quote, In the event of Great Britain losing the war, she would be uh, compelled to surrender great parts of the British Empire to Nazi Germany or Italy's control. Um, The agreement which was signed would have seen a division happening like this. Queensland with its great number of Italian settlements, together with New South Wales and North Australia, is intended to come to Italy, with Sydney as the capital. Victoria and South Australia, where the greatest number of German families live, would be taken by Germany. Japan should, according to this agreement, keep her hands off Australia. She is expected, in the case of war, to bomb Australia's most important centres, Sydney or Melbourne. This was actually written in 1939, I should point out. Um, and do all she can to possibly weaken the Commonwealth military. But essentially, that was their plan. Now, you may notice there's no mention of a certain place called Western Australia. Um, well,
2: 39? Yeah. Well, isn't that th- that's the year that Western Australia decided that we didn't really want to be part of Australia anymore?
0: Yes, but we never left.
1: Yeah, we tried. To be fair, we, didn't also, want, we also didn't want to federate either because we were like, no, we have all the resources, we got all the mines.
0: It's more the fact that in like Germany, in like Adolf Hitler's big world plan, he looked at Australia and he went, right, you guys can have this, you can have this. What about this big bit on the left? Leave it.
1: I don't think there's anything there. <laughs> <He> just, there's, <laughs> there's just nothing nothing worth there.
0: it. I am going to conquer the world except this bit here because there's nothing there. <laughs> To be
1: fair, three quarters of the state is basically like desert
0: Mm, but yes i just um safe yeah so yeah in 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 an alternate future if
1: if anybody ever tried to invade us we're very far away that's the other Mm. thing Mm, unless you were literally practical unless you were going to try and invade because i have actually thought about this unless you were going to come down from like the um asian countries that are directly above but they'd go through all the um stuff like through darwin and all those things up there. like perth's right down the bottom we're really far away why
2: bother coming west when you can go east where, Where there's more people. Like,
1: you can go through the mountains, you've got yeah, forests.
2: Like, yeah. going through Western Australia, it's so dry. Mm. And you have to go through and you're more so likely, much desert. And you're more
1: likely to die. And, I mean, up north in Western Australia, you've got, again, a lot of things that will kill you. Mm. A lot more Cocodils than usual. and yeah.
0: True. But, yes, ultimately... Uh, Western Australia. Western Australia. Nobody
1: cares about it. Even Hitler didn't care about Western Australia. Aww. Mm. So, we love you Western Australia I
0: like to think that you know we would have seen like the last remnants of the resistance you know like uh, to, to quote The uh, the Last Jedi um, you have all the final um, I'm, I'm, this film's been out for ages everyone should have seen it by now um, so you can skip ahead if, if you haven't all the... Uh, we are, we are um, Red Sand Planet. What's it called? Crate. Uh, yeah, we're Crate. We're good. We're Crate. Uh, yeah, we, we're just there.
2: We are the
1: spark yeah. that lights the flame. We'd
0: have all the resistance huddled around the bell tower going, there's no way out. There's no way out. <laughs> the
1: bell tower <laughs> did not exist in 39, but sure. <laughs> no, but it's it's now.
2: It's now mm. because... Oh, it's you know, now. It's still, yeah.
1: still issues happening in the world. Mm. Totally. Mm. In the alternate timeline where time Germany, Germany took over mm. everything but Western Australia. Yep. Mm. yep.
0: So... Let's score the film, uh, and we'll start with you, Ellen, because you had not seen this film until today. What score would you give Australia oh, out
1: of ten? I don't know. Six Hugh Jackman's emptying a bucket over his heads—that
2: <laughs> <laughs> was a, a pretty 10? good
0: shot. Mm. I mean, I will admit. I mean, you know, I'm not, but he—he—he he, he was. It's a good shot. It's a good it's look. Good shot. It's a good look for Huey. Um, look, if
2: Stephen and I can can mm. agree on this, yeah. then like can agree with you on that one. Yeah.
0: So six six out of ten. There, you feel that's right.
2: Yeah, about that.
0: Okay, no, that's fair. Um, what would you give it, Sarah?
2: I would give it five head of cattle out okay. of ten.
0: No, that's fair. Uh, I think. Ah, uh, I. I'll be honest. This this is not a great film. It's long. It's much longer than it's interesting. It's it's bloated, but it's got little moments of little moments of magic, little moments that remind you why Baz Luhrmann can be a good filmmaker. If someone just slaps his hand and says shorter, or, <laughs> or says
1: Baz no, and he goes Baz yes, hmm. no, get no. The scissors out, Baz yes. start cutting, no.
0: So I'm gonna give it. It's fine, but it's not great. So I'm gonna give it five screenings of the wizard of oz that reminded me there are better films out there whilst watching this film out of <laughs> yeah. 10 um yeah. because yeah look it's fine it look, have it on in the background see if you enjoy it but just personally for me um not not wonderful particularly compared to some of the other australian films we've covered so far just just didn't just didn't tickle my not gut as good as the castle mm, yes uh, or the indeed castle's great 10 canoes uh ellen and sarah yeah thank you very much yeah. for watching australia with me
1: oh yeah now nah, mate So all good so good yeah nah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah if anybody who is not an australian listener knows the difference between yeah nah and nah yeah you have to let us know <laughs> <laughs> it's very complex it's, our it is very complex
0: and for those of you listening at home thank you very much for downloading this episode of the cinema catch-up club we are on facebook you can Woo! find us there just search for the cinema catch-up club like us and uh, leave comments about uh, what you liked about uh, different films you can also subscribe to us on itunes or on soundcloud and you know what you can review us there as well leave us leave us five stars if you want on itunes any lower don't bother but five stars if you want to <laughs> leave us a nice review um please do because uh, it helps us um get the podcast out there a bit more and get more people listening in and we've got lots of fun films we want to look at uh over the coming years uh we are also available on patreon if you want to join in become a member of the cinema catch-up club and help us uh shape the program just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and uh you can join for as little as a dollar a month that's 12 dollary dues a year um and as always um we are Just very, very happy for your continued listening and your patronage. So thank you very much for listening today. And until next time, see you later, Cobber!